Justin, you're getting ready. Right back in the fire. Caps and Oilers tonight. Yeah, buddy. You got your uh, Ask the Panel questions ready? I'm all set. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, I don't know the answers. (laughs) Think on my feet. We're going to be joined uh, momentarily, or do we have Alan? Alan May. I am here. How are you, pal? I'm here, buddy. I'm doing great. What's going on? Great. You getting ready for... uh, Go ahead. I was, I'm was. i just getting ready for all-star Tom Wilson announcement to, to get public everywhere. Whoa! Now that, the, Whoa. Now, that the, now that the big man Ovechkin's not going, the bigger man Tom Wilson is uh, going to the all-star game in his place. Wow. So give us... Having a handsome contest? Give us the goods. Justin thinks he, he rigged his uh, COVID test. <laughs> well, I, I know for a, you know, it's funny because he's a Russian, because he's Alex, there's going to be all these conspiracy theories. No one's faking COVID tests in the net. No one wants to say they have COVID. And I know for a fact that his wife had a large group and she's on her way back from Russia right now to hit Vegas for the all-star game. And I think they may have to redirect the flight uh, to get back here so, to DC now that he's not going to be going for the weekend. So uh, drastically changes the family plans. And uh, there's no way that uh, I don't think anyone ever fakes a COVID test. But uh, I kept wondering how the hell did this guy get through it? And I was thinking maybe last month when we had about three or four days of no practice, maybe they didn't have practice because maybe the big man had it. They just didn't want to make a big news item out of it. And I thought, man, he's the only, he's the last guy standing that hasn't had it that I know of. And he's the last guy, he's the last guy to get it on the cap. So that means he'll, he'll go after the all-star break. He won't need to be tested for what, three months or so. If, if he's home with COVID, she's going to Vegas for sure. <laughs> this is her chance. <laughs> you know, it's almost uh, there's certain there's certain countries that don't believe COVID's a real thing. So I don't know what they think. So, anyways, he's got a positive test. I was looking forward to him being in it. He's got such a great large personality. He he doesn't shy away from the spotlight. He wants to do well at everything he does and. Unfortunately, he'll be watching with uh, everyone. Well, he'll be watching all by himself, locked in his big, his big ass mansion in McLean, Virginia. Well, that sounds like a pretty good life too. Um, so, what's what's up in Capitals Land these days? Uh, not the best month of January. Um, tell us a little bit just about what's kind of going on there and why they seem to have taken a little bit of a, a southern turn here. Well, I think the biggest thing that happened over the month of January is the roster, as with every team in the National Hockey League, uh, just so many players in and out of the lineup. Every single night, we, it was roster disruption and roster chaos, and it was always until warm-up that you waited. And even one night in warm-up, John Carlson comes out, you know, he had a false negative, or a false, and then he, come, he comes out halfway through warm-up against the Canucks. It was absolutely hilarious. And then the next the next day, he tests positive. No, maybe it was he tests positive in the morning against the Canucks. So it's been absolutely crazy. But I think the biggest thing to this team is the six defensemen that they had on the ice last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You've got Faravari paired with Carlson. They've got Orloff and Nick Jensen, who got back in the lineup last night after missing about 10 days or so. And then the third pair of Justin Schultz and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. When they had those six guys in the lineup, through December 2nd to start the season, the Caps were 16-4-6. and six. I don't know what was going on in their overtime games and their shootouts, but they were horrible <laughs> at that point. But they were 16-4-6. and six. And then after that came December 4th, Van Riemsdyk goes out first with COVID with Nick Dowd. And then all of a sudden, everything started to kind of unravel. The inconsistency showed up. 
But with the roster, with those 6D, it just stabilizes this team so much. The goaltending seems better when those guys are the six-group, you know, the six-man group back there, the three pairs. So that was the strength of them at the start of the season. You know, time and time again, we talked about Ovechkin every single night, the numbers he was putting up, the consistency of Evgeny Kuznetsov, which we haven't said a whole lot over his National Hockey League career. But those six guys in the lineup have really been difference makers. And last night, Dmitry Orloff and Nick Jensen were excellent in every facet of the game. Last night, Orloff with the overtime goal with a couple of goals last night. He's at 22 points in 42 games. But it enables him when he's played with Nick Jensen, the the top shutdown pair. Uh, I'm not really a big plus-minus guy, but those two guys, even with the bad month here, Orloff is still plus 17. And Jensen's way up there as well. He's plus 21. So they're the top defensive duo. They're not going out there with the offensive studs every time. They're going out against there, and they'll probably play against Connor McDavid quite a bit tonight, or he, you know he'll have McDavid or Drysaddle one way or the other. But I think the six-man consistency of having those guys and getting those guys back has been a huge difference maker because the Cavs have had so many different forwards in the lineup this season. Alan, when we look at the Eastern Conference, I don't know if this ever been uh, playoff spots established this early in a regular season, in, in fact, the first half of the season, where we know the eight teams that are going to make the playoffs. And Washington now finds themselves in a, in a wild card spot. But when you, when you know essentially the eight teams, and, and they are pretty good, uh, where's the priority for, for the Caps now to, to win the Metro? Well, they, they, I don't think they're so caught up in that. They, you know, they, every night, and with Peter Laviolette, every night, regardless of Noah Vetchkin tonight, whatever goaltender they throw in there, whatever lineup, he tries to win the game. And I, I love his his belief is if you have the jersey on, if you're wearing a Capitals NHL jersey or, you know, whoever he's coaching, you're going out there to win that game and you're not looking for excuses. We've had many coaches here in the past who went in with built-in excuses and kind of laid the groundwork in the morning skate about, you know, oh, it's going to be a tough one to win. Well, Lobby doesn't have that attitude. So I, I would think regardless of who's in their lineup right now, they go out there with that mentality. But I, I think, you know, they, they want to climb to the top. They want to battle. They want to beat Pittsburgh when they want to play. And they want to beat the Rangers when they play in Carolina. Uh, and they certainly want to play good against all the top teams. And they want to play very, very well. And it's there. But I think he doesn't look too far ahead. And it's kind of like in a seven-game series, so many – coaches get caught up in game seven before the first game you just have to worry about the one game you win you lose doesn't matter the score you're just trying to win the next game and I think with Laviolette that attitude has been awesome as to whoever's in the lineup you're just trying to win that night you're not worried about the back-to-back setup that they had Pittsburgh and then you you, you've got to play a tough team again tonight in, in Edmonton who all of a sudden has their guys seem like they're back on their offensive role so it's just about, you know, playing a smart game every single game, figuring out a way to win. Ellen, the, the Capitals, I was looking at a stat that was the lowest percentage of goals that are power play goals. The Capitals are all second to last in the NHL. They haven't scored much on the power play. I think their power play is 28th in the NHL and was third last year. They still have Carlson, Ovi, Backstrom. What's been the, the big change this season? Well, the, the big changes, there has been no changes. <laughs> okay, statement, so, you know, then. No, that, and I look at it, and it's somewhat sarcastic, but, you know, I've been watching the same power play forever. And you know what? They, they, they were doing the exact same thing every single game. They scored three goals opening night, so those, those power plays are, are even skewed more wow. as to where they're at. And, 
you know, they got on the board last night, but they've only scored 21 goals this season. They scored a couple in Dallas the other night, but it was the first two games that they didn't go with the, just have guys in one single spot, just melting the ice and not doing a whole lot. And every little wrinkle we've all seen before, and you can bet, you know, that you always go back the last game. So, you know, the Oilers coaching staff, they're going to look at what was Washington doing on the power play last night against the Penguins. What were the Penguins doing against the Oilers on the power play? You always just go back that one game. And everyone was seeing that the Capitals were doing the same things, forcing pass to Ovechkin. So the goalie was cheating over to the shot. The defender closest to Ovi was trying to take away a lane, so giving Ovi a limited area to shoot out, and they just kept going to the same play. The half wall wasn't shooting the puck, and now they were starting to move all the five players last night. And in Dallas, they had five-man movement. Guys weren't just staying in one spot. Guys were rotating different locations, and I think it's going to be a turnaround. And I definitely think tonight they're going to have some of those against Edmonton if they do get power play opportunities as Wilson or John Carlson wasn't shooting the puck, and all of a sudden the last few games he's shooting the puck, but they've made it a priority to get him into a lane where he can shoot the puck where he's not just standing directly on top of the net up at the middle of the blue line. So just being more creative because they hadn't been creative, and I was just banging my head against the wall watching this because it was it was kind of sickening me to see them do the same thing over and over and calling out the plays before they happened and knowing what the result was going to be. And it doesn't matter who's on the power play. If you've done the same thing for a dozen years, everyone's kind of figured it out. So now they've got some wrinkles going, and maybe they got a few wrinkles off the Penguins last night that they could add to their own arsenal. And I always make fun of the staff when something's not working. I go, do those guys watch the other teams play <laughs> rather than just the team you're playing? They're like, hey, go watch this power play. They're doing, they got some unique looks. Maybe you should throw some of those in yours. So for the Capitals and, you know, and my future employment, hopefully they get that power play going because the better it is, the more success they can have. Where are you on a scale of, say, 1 to 10 on the pressure of the Caps to get out of the first round and really take a run at this, especially with the season Ovechkin's having? Still very much looks like he's in his prime. A trade deadline, a goaltender. Where are they with Oshie? Uh, he's not around uh, how much do you got to improve this lineup to, to be real legitimate uh, cup contenders? Well, well, yeah, well, first of all, they've got to get uh, Nicholas Baxter back up to speed. He's going to take, I think, another three weeks or so to get his conditioning because you think he didn't skate in August, didn't skate in September, October, started to go on the ice light in November. And so, you know, he didn't have preseason. He didn't have all that. So, you know, he's going to be a different player as time goes on. And, you know, he's at almost a point of game right now, which is absolutely normal for him. But I still think this team, my honestly, more than the goaltending, because I think it's kind of unfair when you look at what these goaltenders have done. You know, with the lineup they've had in front of them so many nights, Samsonov is 14-5-3. He's got three shutouts. And, you know, people pick apart save percentages and goals against all around the league. But that doesn't mean you won the game. He's got 14 wins. Uh, Vanacek, 10-6-5, you know, and... and you know, they, they go on these runs. So I think the top six forward is more important than anything, preferably a centerman in case you have, you have to have a backup insurance for Nick Backstrom and, and someone you can throw on the wing because Anthony Mantha has been out all season. The second line they envisioned during the summer was Mantha left wing, Backstrom at center, TJ Oshie on right wing. Oshie's only played 18 games. He only has five goals in those 18 games. Uh, those aren't the stats that they expect out of TJ. And he's not even practicing right now. So I would think you have to, you know, with some of these guys, and you look at, I think TJ's 
34 years old, Ovi's 36. You know, these guys are getting up there. And so I think you need to add something in, in the top six position, someone that can rotate around, you know, left wing, right wing, center, and, and give you depth wherever you need it. And I don't know if Mantha's coming back in the playoffs or if he's until next season because he hasn't stepped foot on the ice yet. So I, I think top six would be your number one priority before you, you go all in on a goaltender. I think you got to go all in on the top forward. You know, you mentioned OV and you know, getting older. It's one of the, the constant things we always, when you're an older player, everyone goes, is it decline or just a few bad games? You're allowed to have a few bad games for most guys. But OV now, uh, four, four games without a point after being on such a monumental tear this season. Have you seen any noticeable drop-off in his game or just bad luck pucks not going in for a few games? Well, I think bad luck with the puck, but also there was a time in the last couple of weeks so where he was a game-time decision, where he wasn't skating in it. Lobby made it known he had a game time decision. So there's ob- obviously something physical was going on there. So when you think of it, this COVID thing, it could be a blessing in disguise for him to get off of his skates and totally relax. And it, it's, you know, one of those things. There, there is some wear and tear. The guy takes very good care of himself. Um, and he, he, the older he gets, the better he's gotten. I think most guys throughout the National Hockey League have done that over the course of time. They figured out. If they, if they want to run with the young guys, they got to make sure that they're doing everything they can to stay healthy and be a viable player every single game. So I'm not worried about it. I'm still hoping he gets a 50-plus. And, you know, he, he's, what, 29 goals in 46 games. He, he's going to miss at least one game of the season. So he's on pace for exactly 50 right now, I think, with missing the one game. And uh, I expect him to come out of this after the break to be firing and to be ready to roll next week when they play Columbus, I think, first game back. Some of the old guards not ready to uh, relinquish yet. Uh, we watch Pittsburgh and Sid Crosby right now, and he's as good as ever. Well, I'm never going to badmouth Sidney Crosby, and I still think, and people aren't going to like it, but I still think he's the best and most competitive player in hockey. And I just I look at, you know, he, he's able to win. He pushes his team to other levels. And, you know, that team hung around somehow without Crosby, without Malkin. He was slow those first five games back, but he's been on a tear since about November 26, 27, 28, somewhere around there, and he's really got it going. I can't say enough good things about that guy. I've loved watching him. The work ethic, uh, it's in practice, it's in games, the intensity, uh, the way he plays the game. You know, People always say, oh, the right way, the right way. Well, this guy really does do everything to his fullest. He competes like really no other player in the National Hockey League, and, and he plays to win, and you know, he knows where his limitations are, but he does what it takes to win and push his team. And I love the fire that he plays with. So it, it's, I, I don't like that these guys are getting older because I've loved watching Sid. I've loved watching Ovi. And I, I don't want to imagine the Capitals without Ovechkin. I certainly don't want to watch Pittsburgh or, or imagine what they're going to be like when Sidney Crosby's not playing. So I hope these guys still got a lot more years left in them and they continue to p- play the way they are. Well, yeah, both guys still, you know, well above a point per game. So you got to feel good about it carrying on for a while. You know, the the guy coming in tonight, Connor McDavid, is the heir apparent, the next one to Sid, right? Uh, I think you would call him the best player in the league. Other people than you would call him the best player in the league right now. Is he still got something to learn from Sid? Is there still that kind of element of the game of becoming a winner? Or is it just a matter of getting a better team around the guy? Oh, it's this Ovi dealt with this forever. The team they had around him, he, you know, he'd never, Ovi never had real leadership in the dressing room when he started, you know, it was kind of a team that was tanking. And then all of a sudden he had these young guys and they bring in a fourth liner from Calgary and Chris Clark and they made him captain. 
And you just, it wasn't like Chris has all these miles under his belt as to, you know, be a leader. And I think with Connor, you know, they, they've got a, such a young group there. And as they're, you know, they're kind of been a salary cap hell for so long. And, they, and it looks like they still will be for, for a while. But you need to have a roster. And that's one of the things that it, it's, it's impossible to win if you don't have four lines, 60, and, and a couple of goaltenders. You need all the right, in everything management, coaching staff. But, you know, I, I, as Connor goes on, the, the biggest thing is going to be not to get frustrated, not to, not to get down on himself, not to get down on his teammates. But, you know, it, it's just he continues to go as hard as he does every game. And he reminds me a lot of Ovechkin in the fact that he's trying to do everything himself. Like he wants to score every goal. He wants to do everything. And there's a lot of pressure and there's fatigue that goes with that. And I think over time, he's going to learn that, you know, you got to push and hold other guys accountable. I don't know how verbal, how vocal he is in the dressing room. But I would imagine at some point he's going to have to start pushing buttons on teammates. And I know that Sidney Crosby does it. I've heard a lot about his leadership. And I think as Edmonton bolsters this roster, and whether people like it or not, Kane's a pretty good hockey player. And all of a sudden, Edmonton has a lot more depth up front. And I think this team, the Oilers, are at their best when they have McDavid as the number one center, Dreisaitl as the number two, Nugent Hopkins as the number three. And then as they build up these, let these players get better, I think – you know, adding depth in the third and fourth line is what's really ultimately going to make Edmonton a better team uh, because that, to me, is where they've been lacking the last few years and having too many 11, 12, 13 type of forwards in the lineup at the same time and too many guys that were, you know, five, six defensemen in the lineup at the same time. So as they bolster that roster, you know, that team's going to be, there's going to come a time where they're going to be unstoppable and you have to have the full roster. And right now, to me, they don't have the full roster. Alan, you were a glue guy in the dressing room. You understand the dynamics of it and how it works. Uh, Evander Kane, uh, a short-term gam- gamble for Ken Holland, but he's he's also a guy that has uh, not exactly the, uh, a stellar uh, reputation in the dressing room. Uh, are you okay with that chance, that gamble? Well, I, I think it shows desperation. And I'll tell you what, without if I never read a press clipping or a Twitter or a tweet, whatever you want to call it, about Evander Kane, I wouldn't know about the off-ice stuff from what I've seen on the ice because he's, he was San Jose's best player when he was in the lineup. And every time he's played against the Washington Capitals, uh, he's been a really good hockey player over the years. And I always thought, man, he'd be a good player to have here. But then you have all that baggage. So, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a risky chance. But this is a, a team that was going through hell the last month, and they did a desperate thing. And you know what? It, the odds are against it that, that Kane – We'll, we'll hold his end of the bargain, and, you know, I hope he does. I hope, I hope he's able to turn his life around. I hope he's able to, you know, end up earning some money and keeping it, uh, you know, before his career is over and be a good citizen on his team, good to be a good citizen in the community. But it reeks of desperation. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, there's been a lot of gossip about this player, and, you know, I don't know what's true, what's not true. Uh, I read last week somehow he has custody of his daughter, and so that got to make me think that he, he, he is, you know, that, that's very hard to do. And I think that's something that he, he's not getting a, enough notoriety about. But I look at the player. The hockey player is really, really good. And th- this is a guy that when he's going uh, is one of the best all-round wingers in the game. He's got some spice to his game. Uh, you know, and, and I look at how he's played against Washington. This is why I have such a high opinion of the way he plays. In 34 games against the Caps, he's got 20 goals. And he's pounded the daylights out of a few guys. 
And if you can keep him dialed in, and you know we're down the back stretch here of the season, we're in the last half. If they can work with him, and he can work with him, keep him kind of within the constraints of the team, and putting you know team first and his career first, himself first, in regards to success, uh, they can do some good things because he is a he's a lot like Tom Wilson in the way that. You know, he, he's got all the tools. You know, the guy can score goals. He can drop the mitts. He can hit. Uh, but once again, you got to be on the ice. You got to play the games. You got to show up hard every day of practice. You got to be a good teammate in the dressing room. And, you know, this is where young players think they can handle this. And you and I have been through some bad teammates, tough teammates in our time, and you think you can work with them. But eventually it's just too much, and they're their own worst enemy. And ultimately you can't be their babysitter or their caretaker 24 hours a day. Justin Bourne's working the game tonight against the the Caps and the Oilers, and he's totally stealing that stat that you just gave him, 20 goals in 34 games. Uh, you know what, Kipper? I was staring right at it right here. Sidney Crosby has the most 28 goals in 63 games played against Capitals. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> hey, Alan, really appreciate your, uh, your, your time. Hey, one all-star break, did, didn't me and you stick around L.A.? I can't remember what we did in the all-star breaks. I just remember a couple all-star breaks. I don't remember anything, so... I'm not the right guy to ask. So it was. <laughs> uh, I was thinking, but I wasn't. I wasn't too nice to myself in some of the All Star breaks. Well, but listen, it, uh, enjoy this one. Maybe. Um, yeah, I will. Take... I'm actually going to Vegas. I'm going to Vegas for the weekend. The, uh, the Caps are taking me to Vegas for the weekend. So. Uh, oh, um, I was going to suggest maybe yeah. taking uh, Ovi some chicken soup or something. No, I'm just staying away from there. I haven't had it yet. Don't want to get it. So it's, uh, it's, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy myself in Las Vegas this week and eat, drink, and be merry. All right. Thanks for doing this, Alan. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Alan. Well, he could have dropped it at the door and just left. That'd be courteous. But I do feel bad that we leaned on Ovi a little bit when, you know, he was the only guy who hadn't had it before and it was bound Does to Does that change on. your mind now? I mean, yes. I didn't, I didn't ever really <laughs> think he was faking it. Can you give the soon-to-be all-time goal scorer in NHL history the benefit of the doubt? I, you know, I, I didn't actually think he had faked it, but it's fun to pretend. <laughs> Sammy, you got an over/under on uh, Ov uh, faking? Uh, that's a hard one to do, Kipper, but uh, I will give it a fifty percent chance he's faking. How's that sound? Fair enough. So the uh, I think Ovi's uh, earned. Uh, yeah, the benefit of the doubt the, there. The weekend off. I think he has too. The active skaters' most career goals versus the Capitals was the list that I actually looked it up after your uh, after Alan was talking. Um, Wayne Gretzky. No, active skaters. Oh, they said active oh, skaters. No, no, of course, Sid is number one, and Malkin is number two. Uh, Claude Giroux, then Kane is fourth. So this guy has lit up the you know the Caps over the years. So in, interesting guy. Throw a couple of bucks on tonight. Maybe he gets one. There By the way, go. fifth is Andrew Ladd. I don't know if you would have got that if I'd given you all wow. that guess. And he's in Arizona, isn't he? I don't know. I mean, he is, but <sighs> that roster is. God, what? <laughs> that was a good contract, eh? Oh, God, that guy's eating lobster. Go. He's loving, loving Arizona prices. I'll give you one guess who played first line center last night for the, the Arizona Coyotes. Vigimelka? Nope. I'm out of guesses. Alex Galchenyuk, first line center. Vigimelka? <laughs> have we watered down the league a little bit when i hear that no my, they're not trying my dream scenario is 20 teams and then just you know 10 in each conference and just the i think 24 
I'm 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 good with 24. Okay, 20. The product. Can you imagine what it would be like having? You know, Hockey's 10, better when it's worse, though. Ten. It that's is. fair. No. That, that's, yes. No. No. What do you want? Ever playing tight sorry. D? If you're not. What every game to look like the Olympics not, out there? Just if you're not nothing. Sammy Leaf lover last night, that was unwatchable. That was garbage. Boys, there's okay. an Raptors game on that I was flicking over to quite often. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that Come third on. period. You're, you're, you, can't, you, you can't. You can't sell that, that. You can't sell that. If if you if you sat somebody down and explained the the finer game uh, points of the game. That's not holding people for two and a half hours last night. Even even on the on the finishing on the goal, though, there's you you need some animosity. Yeah, you, you, you need just, a little adversity. You need a little bit momentum swinging. They got nothing out of that game. It's a tough one. No fans of the night before. It was there, a tough there's a one few too. of those games. Yeah, there's a few, but I mean, listen, there's 32 teams. I guess that's your point, but there's a lot it's of too teams. Many. There's a, too many. 82 games might be the issue. What if you had 32 teams playing 60 games and the games mattered? What if it was a 3-2-1 point system and we actually rewarded teams for trying to win in regulation? There are ways to ramp up the pace here. None of them make the league money. We, we just got an incredible text that is just, I can't read it, but I just want oh. the, the person to, I want the person because I don't want to bring politics into our show, but God, it's a great text. So just the the nameless person who just texted you our show right now. to us. I'll, well, yeah, yeah, I can tell you after the show. Yeah, but that's not good for the listeners. Not fair to the listener at all. We should have some sort of uh, prize, you know, email Sammy or something. I don't know. Show that you've left a, if you show that you've reviewed the show, li- liked and reviewed the show, <laughs> Sammy will tell you what the, t- the tweet was. Yeah, there you go. Okay. You want to do a few news and notes around the league? Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. Sellers. Why? Jimmy's what? unloading. No. That's that what right? I hear. The Vancouver Canucks are a 500 hockey team in a division where that almost gets you into playoffs. I think he wants to shed some, some money. Is this a new decision? Because right now the Canucks are, let's see, they are nine points out of playoffs, but they got a couple games in hand there to catch up. Like, their 500 winning percentage is no, not that far no, gone. No, I'm hearing long-term commitment from Vancouver, and Jimmy wants to dump money. They should, That's what I'm right? hearing. Like, they're not winning a cup with this group. If they want to really get serious about winning a cup in three so, years, they need to, a plan. That points the direction, first and foremost, for JT Miller. I just can't believe they're, they're doing this. Like, the teams ahead of them are, like, San Jose, L.A., yeah. Edmonton, or, sorry, Anaheim. Yeah, I guess. It is a little surprising because he has that reputation of going into Pittsburgh and going for it and winning. So could I get myself a slightly used Connor Garland, which I think Elliot had mentioned in his 32 thoughts yes. as an option. Yes, you can. I mean, and that's another a one. What's he have great left? Player, he just signed. Really good player. I'm fascinated to see how... Well, I mean, I, the name that I keep bringing up here, and I'm banging the drum for it every day, is Luke Shen reunion with the Leafs. I mean, do you really want Luke Shen? Yeah, I do. He's like, exactly, he's Zach Bogosian. Hey, he's is, what is they he need. Zach a, two years ago? Can, can you do your analytical stats and, uh, <laughs> and uh, hits? Okay. Yeah. He hits everything. He, led, he had 12 hits the other night. Okay, I'm sorry, but that's like unheard of. Maybe the guy that was... How many minutes? At 21. Okay. Nobody hits has 12 per, hits. Hits per 60. I need to set this. Is that a for, thing? Uh, 
It is, but I need to yeah. say, you need to play some games. So just to go back to Connor Garland, he just signed a five-year, $24 million contract. You know, the one thing I hear about him is sometimes he can rub his teammates the wrong way. Garland? Yeah. I was wondering that, that he was available for a trade again, given how feisty and competitive he is. Getting teams to want him is not a problem. Right. Getting teams to keep him might be a, a different uh, ball game. Among defensemen in hits per 60 minutes, uh, Luke Shen is third in the NHL. Thank you. Throws a lot of hits. Mark Borvietsky yeah. ahead of him. I like and, Jim, and Jimmy, Simon Jimmy Rutherford's Benoit? not getting rid of him. Luke, I'll take Radko Gudis, who's in fourth. Yeah. Hey, you think Rutherford likes him well, and also Boudreaux just called him Bobby Orr the other no, day. No, 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 no. They're not trading him. Sammy, he ain't, he's not coming back to the Leafs. Jimmy Dream, will not Dream trade him. Yeah, J- Jimmy's not trading him. Well, it's 850 next year, too. That's unbelievable value. I don't know why. That's exactly the type right? of guy you need in that type of team. So I, to trade him now would mean that you have to go and replace him. Are you, are you getting third in hitting for $850,000? No, I mean, not even close. I'll go run into people if that's something you want. (laughs) Eight fifty. I have to peel you off the third row though with the stands. That'll get tiresome. Out of my lungs, please. So that's exactly why you keep him, because he's making eight fifty next year, and he can play anywhere between twelve and twenty minutes, and he hits everything that moves, and he's a great guy. How about Yanni Hockenpah? Plays for Dallas. Right shot D man. Top 10 in, in hits per, per 60. Dallas selling? What's Dallas up to? They don't know yet. Still they don't know. mode? And Some I hear if they're site. selling, then Klimberg to Florida. Really? Well, yes. They, they might have their they eye on. puck mover? Yeah, they want, they want some more depth back there. That's what the Leafs need. Another good player in Florida. I just can't believe looking at the standings of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I realize I've been gone, so I'm halfway playing catch-up. But 726 winning percentage, and they're third in their division. <laughs> in points right now, in raw points. JT Miller would uh, probably garner a, a first-rounder and a prospect, you think? I do. I mean, there'll be a lot of teams. Got that competitiveness, right? If you get him in these competitive games, he's the type of guy you yeah. love. I hear there's love to a, have him. a ton of teams in the East that want him. He's got I, another year too at five point uh five point. He's an asset. Like Why, if Vancouver wants I to just I would just keep him. He's a good player. You yeah. need good players in your team. Like you're not gonna be a terrible team next year. And well, if you and suck- he's not how old is he? He's not that old. It's such a hockey thing to be like, yeah, this guy's an asset. We should trade him. When it's like, well, don't you you need good players? We've seen plenty of teams. He's twenty eight. So what's Vancouver trying to do? Trying to suck next year? Yeah. Well, exactly. Just, That's, I'm not pro I would not trade him if I was I a Vancouver just, It's it's been well, a cap issue for a while there, and I think they're just going to... Bo Horvat on the block, gonna, then? Uh, alleviate that. I, I don't think he has to worry about Horvat for another year. Okay. Until, uh, until you're in a situation where you decide, I don't want to spend $8 million on Bo Horvat. I just don't think that they're year, that Jimmy's there yet anyways on, on Bo Horvat long-term. They got a lot of money coming off the books after next year. You know who Vancouver? They, yeah, they got uh, in their forward cores. They ha, in their forward core they have almost ten million bucks, over ten million bucks coming off the off the books in their forward core. Now do Minnesota. Now do Minnesota. Mm. What's what's coming off their books? Have you, I mean, Kipper, this team, this Minnesota Wild team's good, got, right? Got to win now. They have to win like today. They're they're good, but next year 
They have, what is it, 12, because of the buyouts to Parisian Suter, they have cap penalties next year of 12 point some million dollars. What is it here? I've got it somewhere, 12.7. And then the next two years after 14. that, 14.7, almost 15 million in dead money. So a competitive team with a chance to win is going to have to win on a cap that's like 70 million while everyone else's is 85. I, I don't know how Bill Guerin does that. I just... You know, they. I. I don't mind getting aggressive and trying to win. I. You know, I don't even hate the move. They're trying to win hockey games today, and I've just said it. I'm not pro trying to lose, so whatever. But they are really hamstrung for a couple seasons after this. Uh, do we give Nashville and their overachieving some love here? Because when they came to play the Leafs, I don't know, two months ago, mm-hmm. they were also unwatchable. <laughs> That's the word. I I used when I watched them. Oh, are they unwatchable? No, 60 they were. Second, I know they were. They were. I know. But they're they're better, and uh, somehow, some way, Matt Duchesne has turned into uh, a big time player for them. Yeah, Ryan Johansson. Do you trust these guys when it comes down to it? I don't. I don't at all. And I, I, you know, I'm seeing the praise for Nashville too. Um, you know, UC Soros is incredible. Roman Yossi's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. But like if your best forwards are Matt Duchesne and, and Johansson and, and Grandlin. Grandland, I guess Philip Forsberg scored. Like I, I this is not that's not it for me. There's certain teams though that just kind of have identities across the NHL. And this to me has always kind of been Nashville's identity. Like when have they like their forwards have never been like even when they went to that cup final, it was like the the Beninos of the world, and you think of it was Philip Ford. Like it's not the upper tier superstar guys that you think of. They go on good defense and good goaltending, and that's kind of what they've all. Like you, you look at Pecorine forever now, Soros. They sort of, I mean, they've had the same GM since they started. No, so it's kind of they've they've always had this similar recipe to be sort of competitive, but not quite good enough. I don't know. I I just feel like they're the predators. That's, that's David Poyle's career. Yes. I, I just, they're, they're the predators. Just really good enough to compete, uh, but never good enough to win. Boys, who is the all-time points leader for the Nashville Predators in their franchise history? David Legwand. Whoa, he got it. Bang! David Legwand played almost 1,000 games. How many points did David Legwand score for the Nashville Predators? 414. Oh, my God. I was going to say 500. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. That's tough. That's it? Yeah. You know, looking, this is all time. What am I looking at here? <laughs> you got this right, right? Well, in the the Google search had it short as that, but now that I, I think he had 566 total. Okay. 566. And where's where's Nashville on? Yossi and Erat are two and three. And where's Nashville on <laughs> majors this year? Uh, first in the NHL. They're number one by fighting a la- team. By miles. By miles. They've got seven more fights See, than the next fightiest fight team. D- David Poyle, really sneaky with that stuff, right? Surprising. He, he likes he likes that stuff. I will say, so I don't like the top end of Nashville's group, and I've been very clear about that. Johansson and Duchesne don't particularly do it for me, but they do have some guys down towards the bottom of their roster that I really like. Like that, uh, I'm not even going to say it right, Tanner Jeannot. You know, is that tough? Yes, tough. Tough Good. Yes. Sissons, good, tough. Trennan, good, tough. 
Like they got some some guys at the bottom of the roster that I really enjoy watching. Um, but yeah, otherwise they they just don't score. And they have a tough decision with uh, a UFA pending UFA in Forsberg. Yeah, that's right. Forsberg fills the. Uh, he just scores goals. That's about the only thing uh, he does. But yeah, I mean, tough decision. To me, it's like wh- this is like the Canucks situation all over again. What are you trying to do? Like, do you think you're good enough to win the cup this year? You shouldn't. But so, in that conclusion, should you try to flip guys? I think it's probably a product of the market of Nashville. If you're decent, people go to the games. Mm-hmm. You're always in the playoffs. You have this sort of reputation as a good NHL franchise. I don't like. Is are people losing sleep at, at night because the the Nashville Predators didn't win the cup against the Penguins? Like, do people like? I feel like they care more about the the Titans and college football. And, like, have I you just, guys gone down there to? They, they, Take a game in. They have a great crowd. I have, not. have you gone? No, you? It's great. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I'd love to go. I've always loved, wanted to go. Wanted to do a weekend. If you can get out of Tootsies to go watch the game. <laughs> yeah. I can, I'm not going to say, confirm or deny that I would be in Tootsies if I went there. I mean, it all sounds incredible, the whole Nash Vegas theme. But no, I, I, I really enjoy the culture of their hockey team. But yeah, the, the they need some top end scores. Um, next on our, our list, um, Austin Matthews. Uh, taking money from a gambling organization. Do you care about this sort of thing? This is uh, uh, from Elliot's 32 Thoughts, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, I mean, I do. Yeah, I think um, I, I do find it interesting for sure. Yeah. Now, there might be uh, a little kind of a loophole where I think he's promoting something the free, free site, site yeah. and not the betting site. Just like me, man. Check out coolbet.co. Yeah, so you're fine with that, right? <laughs> I am. I mean, I obviously... But it is it, it, it is a slippery slope. That's the best word I can to, to describe it. It's it's slippery. Well, we've just jumped off the cliff. That's all. We're not sliding down a slope. We've jumped off the cliff. We are in free fall. Gambling is allowed. So yeah, let's no, no, just no, no, embrace no, no, no. it. It's not, it's not the gambling part. We're way past that, JP. Are you talking JB. like point shaving, like gambling uh, type uh, stuff? Listen... A hundred percent. You joked around about Severson. <laughs> I did, yes. So go have a thousand bucks on that goal, and then go watch him, and then I know. and then you do you you connect the dots. So uh, on Netflix right now is a docu series called Bad Sport, and there's the one on the ASU point shaving scandal, and these guys. I watched it. Did you? Yeah. How good was fascinating? That? Totally fascinating. I mean, how it can come to be. Did you see it, Sammy? I'm now interested. I will watch it. What's fascinating is how innocent and simple it kind of is. You know, a guy says, you know, we'll give you 10 grand to a college kid who can't get a hamburger. Or sorry, I think they said we'll give you 20 to split it with your buddy or whatever. And all you have to do is you can still win the game. Just don't win by more than 12 or whatever the spread is. Yeah, so they tried to win by. And he nailed it a couple of times. He did. Yeah, you you just don't touch the spread. Still win. And then the game's so out of a hand out of hand for like a minute and a half, two minutes, and he's busting his ass to get it as close to the the the, the cut yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. And P- and they're looking at him going throws up a Hail Mary three trying to totally, win by totally totally busted. Yeah. Totally busted. That and the new car, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe having the escalate with <laughs> the escalade with the it. spinning <laughs> wheels kind of gave it away too. But JB. Slippery slope. Now we're in prop bets. It's, it's not a thing with a guy like Matthews. I agree, but it I is just, a thing with a guy who's making seven fifty and 
Listen, someone says we'll throw quickly you. before we go. Talking about gambling, the Olympic hockey tournament for women get underplay underway tonight. Team Canada plays Switzerland. If you want to win ten dollars on Canada winning tonight, I do. You have to bet three thousand three hundred and thirty-three dollars. Uh, what are you not. saying? They're favorites. So if you, I'm gonna put my savings account on the line to win a Big Mac meal. There we go, boys. Wow, the Olympics starting. Can somebody let us know? Have you heard anything about it? Samuel put it in the lineup the day before the show, or the day of the show. All right, thanks to Anthony Stewart. Uh, who else was on the show? I can't remember. Alan May. Alan May. Justin Bourne, welcome back. We're right back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody.